Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Gertletow from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from Syracuse, New York is Chris Audette. Chris is Chief of Research at Gartner Center for Legal Research and Compliance Leaders. And today we're going to be talking about a report that they just put out uh, entitled Key Budget Staffing and Spending Trends for Compliance in 2023. Chris, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. I'm really intrigued by your research. I have to admit it had some findings that I think are pretty challenging. It revealed, first of all, that compliance leaders are being asked to do more with less, despite a lot of economic insecurity. Let's start with the first of these trends that you identified, which is tighter budgets. What did your research show? Let's do it. First, thanks, Adam. Thanks for having me back. It's always a pleasure to join. Um, the first thing I'll share is this is all about context. Um, you know, budgets are tighter. Uh, we've heard that from our clients. We see it in the data. Uh, but actually, they're not as tight as most compliance leaders expected them to be just a few years ago. Uh, at the height of the pandemic, I think almost two-thirds of compliance leaders told us they were projecting pretty dramatic budget decreases in response to COVID. But in actuality, across the last two and a half years, three years, compliance spend has actually remained generally pretty stagnant since then. The median total compliance spend has seen a decrease of only about three and a half percent. So fairly uh, moderated than uh, what was expected by many of those compliance leaders. So the crunch, as we see it, isn't so much on the, the supply side, on the budget. It's actually really on the demand side. Uh, workloads have gotten dramatically, uh, just dramatically increased post-pandemic. There's a couple different things that we hear pretty consistently on that front. Uh, regulatory tracking pops up almost all the time for us. We see a high demand for more support internally, more FTEs to support regulatory tracking. We see more demand from clients who are looking for technology to support regulatory tracking. Um, we hear a lot of initiatives that may have begun in the legal department uh, or may have been uh, strategies that the legal department supported the execution of, like ESG, are now on compliance's plate to uh, further operationalize. And so that has been something that is maybe a new addition to their plates than it was just two to three years ago. And then the last thing, which has always been kind of core to the workload, is internal investigations. Um, We've tracked this fairly consistently over time, and we're generally seeing a longer lag time uh, in the uh, department's ability to close out an investigation. And we think the main reason for that is what we've heard from clients. It's a whole lot more difficult to do this in a remote environment. We just don't have the tools uh, that we can best support this with, and we don't have the staffing to close these out in kind of record time that we might have been able to pre-pandemic. So those three things, just as kind of anecdotal examples, all of that is just showing how much demand has surged uh, for compliance teams across the last couple of years. And, and with even just uh, one FTE down, that can mean a real crunch. Well, and with things like the Department of Justice and even Treasury and Commerce, when it comes to sanctions calling for organizations to self-disclose, there's a lot of pressure to get the program right, to do the investigation quickly and be able to get the information to the government before the government finds it on its own. Now, your research also addresses changing labor and organizational dynamics. What did you find? Yeah, a couple of things on this front too. Certainly, and we've heard this from so many of our clients and obviously see it reflected in the data, uh, compliance departments have seen a decrease in their FTEs since 2020. 
Um, and for 2023, when our compliance departments were forecasting at this time last year, they were not forecasting any change, any increase in their FTE headcounts. And anecdotally, we're hearing about the same for next year, still no increase on the horizon. Um, so we looked at some of the ways in which they might be compensating for that loss. Um, we saw a few things. There's a, kind of a slight uptick maybe in spend with respect to external experts. Um, and we're seeing, and I know we might touch on it a bit, we're seeing an increase in spend on tech. And so uh, they're basically looking for other cheaper routes for getting work done. Uh, because the story here for them is one of attrition uh, without a whole lot of backfilling and for many ccos it's just challenging to continue uh, to get that work done as they're also waging the war for talent before we move on to tech i, I want to ask one question is is given that people are having a hard time growing their staff or even retaining it any advice on how to better hold on to staff during these times yeah, not an easy answer, right? It's a question I think that nearly every GC and CCO has come to us with in the last three years or so. Um, the truth is the attrition rates are just at historic highs across industries. They've been tempered a bit in the last year, but uh, certainly from 20 to 22, we saw enormous highs across industry. Uh, many competitors for in-house compliance roles were responding with salary increases uh, that would just be mostly out of reach for in-house departments. Again, that's stabilized a little bit in the last year, but the trend still stands. And so what our research shows is that legal needs to do something maybe historically suited mostly for HR teams, legal and compliance. Uh, they need to build value propositions that double down on the things that make an in-house career so unique. Stability of the career track, getting closer to clients, maybe developing more practical expertise, and, and certainly the big one, work-life balance. Um, that all sounds great. That all sounds easy enough. But if we dig a little bit deeper, most of our in-house teams aren't doing so great at providing great comprehensive career development, thinking through which department structures are going to allow for continued development personally and within the career. Um, we have a case study from a, a few years ago now. Few companies are practicing what we call job crafting. Uh, the idea of maybe empowering the associate or the team member with the ability to take on responsibilities that are aligned to their own personal interests and mission, and therefore they're kind of taking development and engagement into their own hands. Most of our in-house teams haven't thought through those things uh, and how they need to be structured or um, doing things a bit differently to promote engagement. We know the benefits of engagement when they have it are really high. Discretionary effort uh, has a 1.5x lift for employees that show uh, strong levels of engagement. Um, and they're about 20% less likely to look for a job. So the payoff is clear, but the path to getting there uh, is really kind of fraught for most of our compliance leaders. I think compliance leaders aren't alone in that. I think it's an overall business challenge. So the third dynamic, which we touched on a bit, is technology. Uh, your, your report that there is a great investment being made there. What's driving it? Where's the money going? Yeah, and a caveat too is that the data that uh, we shared in that press release was gathered before really the advent of Gen AI. Um, and although the market has not yet surged with options for Gen AI for compliance leaders, we know that's coming and coming fast. Um, so before the advent of Gen AI, we were already seeing compliance leaders were thinking that tech was gonna be one of the areas of 
uh, the biggest spend increases that they would have in their budget. And we saw a couple pockets, uh, the e-whistleblower directive still kind of driving up a change in how hotlines might be managed for some compliance leaders. Um, the kind of ongoing remote and virtual environment is maybe putting new strains on them to come up with more fruitful and engaging compliance and ethics training. Um, but the real big one here is risk management systems. It's so high on their list. And, and I, there's a couple different ways in which that manifests, which we can touch on. But all of this investment on tech really does track for us because compliance leaders for several years have been accelerating their tech investments to support a lot of department workflows. But I think in the last couple of years, what went from something that was kind of purely voyeuristic or maybe advantageous on their part in a few different areas has really become necessary because they they lost the staff to attrition. They need to get the work done. And so all of a sudden, what was just of interest before becomes a necessity. Um, and so what we heard from many of them is that I need to increase my investment in automation and tech. 20% told us that they were doing that um, as a response to the pandemic. But what we also saw is that now 50% were planning to increase their tech investments in the coming year. And of that 50%, 30% were saying, I project an increase in spend of over 10%. Kind of smaller numbers, but the fact that we're seeing this for the first time, that there's this turn toward tech out of necessity, we think that's just going to catapult and kind of continue to snowball, especially with the advent of Gen AI. Where specifically do you see compliance teams investing? Yeah, I touched on in my last comment there, risk management systems, right? And so I, I touched on earlier too, regulatory tracking. We see that as a big vertical where there's a lot of investment happening uh, because of the, the sheer volume of work. We see third-party risk management systems consistently. Uh, now we have this all new drivers really around third-party risk management systems with many compliance leaders telling us they need better ESG data that needs to uh, populate some of their TPRM systems. And then the biggest one that we've seen and kind of the, the hat where or, or what I should say we're kind of hanging our hat on is really GRC systems, governance, risk and compliance systems. Many of our compliance leaders telling us to the point you raised earlier, Adam, with DOJ and SEC requirements now and mandates to learn about risk more quickly for uh, self-disclosure benefits. I need better insight into that information in near real time. And GRC systems are seen for many now as table stakes into getting that insight. So the number of requests we've had from clients for supporting um, an understanding of the market for GRC, what are the capabilities that I should be looking at? How do those capabilities dovetail with other maybe risk management systems that are present across the enterprise uh, versus what I may need specifically within compliance? Those are questions we're fielding daily. Um, and I would expect a real surge in investment around GRC, even upending existing GRC systems because of so much of the regulatory drivers that we've seen uh, be handed down across the last six to nine months. Well, it's fascinating to have a view of what's been going on. And uh, I have a feeling that a year from now we'll see a lot of similarity. But the way compliance evolves, I think there's going to be a lot of new challenges out there facing us. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for coming on again and sharing these insights with us. I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Turtletaub from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective.